good to be in God's house this morning. Amen? Amen, amen. We are going to begin a new series this morning called Created for Worship. Turn to the person next to you, give them a high five. Say, I was created to worship. That's it. I was created to worship. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? Our key verse is one which I'm sure for those of you who are familiar with Scripture, you know exactly where I'm going to go. It's in the Gospel of John. Who enjoyed the last series that we finished up on, Cross My Heart? It was, uh, it was a good series. I enjoyed teaching it. I enjoyed studying and preparing for it and praying about it as well because as I was studying and praying, I realized that I'm not there yet either. And I thought as a good follow-up to this is to talk about worship. John chapter 4 and verse 23. John chapter 4, Gospel of John, not 1st, 2nd or 3rd John, Gospel of John. Chapter 4 and verse 23. Jesus talking here, he says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. So why are we talking about worship this morning? Why is worship so important? Let Let me sort of lay a little bit of groundwork here. Worship is important because here's the thing. God can do in five seconds what we take a lifetime to do. Amen? I've seen addictions cured overnight. People who have been struggling with addictions for years, they've come to the altar, given it to God in worship, and they're cured. I've seen sicknesses healed in a worship service, where people who have been sick have lifted their hands to worship, and God has healed them. There was a lady at our Turning Point conference down uh, in Cairns last year. She was unable to lift her arm above her head. And just in the worship, As the preacher was preaching, the preacher said, why don't we lift our hands and let's worship God? And she just lifted her hands without even thinking and then suddenly realized, I can lift my hands. I couldn't do that this morning. Amen. God can do in five seconds what we can do through a lifetime of reading self-help books, of trying to do it through our own willpower, of trying to discover our purpose. In five seconds, God can do what we can never do. Another reason we're talking about worship is that no program can ever take place without a sovereign move of God. Now, what do we mean by a sovereign move of God, right? We understand what a sovereign is, right? A sovereign is, for example, the queen, right? She is the sovereign of the commonwealth, right? Now, we understand sovereign in our modern terms to be, you know, someone who doesn't really have power. She's just a figurehead. Right, but back in the days of when the Bible was written, a sovereign was a king or a queen had all power, all authority. It was absolute. Whatever they said was law, sovereign. 
And so when I say we need a sovereign move of God in every program, we need a moment where God comes in and just takes control because he's the king. And he can do whatever he wants to do. Amen. That's what we mean when we say a sovereign move of God. Because if we don't have that, if we don't have that, then, then really we're just kind of running another social club. Just running a network group. We're just spending time together. We might as well go bowling or, or, or something else, you know, go fishing. Right? But when we come here, we've come here with a purpose, and that is to have a move of God in this place. Amen? Created to worship. And part of having that sovereign move of God is understanding that it will not happen unless we can enter into a spirit of worship. Unless we can enter into a realm of worship. And that is why worship is so important. Because without it, we won't have a move of God. Amen. Now, worship and praise are two words that we often use together. Amen. We often use them interchangeably almost. Let's praise and worship God. But see, praise isn't as good as worship. And, and you'll understand why in a second. Because here's the thing. Praise can be given to anything. Think about it. You know, I could, I could praise that fine horse on the racetrack. That's a great horse. I'm praising it. We can praise our kids. You did a good job. Well done on cleaning your bedroom like mommy and daddy asked. That's awesome. Great job. Amen. We can praise our kids. We can praise our football team. Unless they get eliminated before the grand final. Or they get eliminated at the grand final. We can praise our football team. Amen. Didn't they do a great job? Man, wasn't such and such player just awesome on the field. Amen. We can praise our football team. We can praise our husband and wife. Wow, darling, this meal that you've done for dinner, it's incredible. Man, I can't wait to get into this. Right? Praise. But you don't worship any of that stuff. Amen. Because worship is something that only relates to the divine. Whereas praise can apply to the divine and to anything else, worship is reserved solely for the divine. That's why when you read through the book of Revelation, over and over and over again, the beasts, the dragons, the serpents, they all want people to worship them. They don't want people to praise them. They want worship. That's what they want. They want Worship. It's why when in, in the Gospels at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he was tempted by Satan, he was taken out into it. He was in a desert place and Satan came to tempt him. And Satan showed him a vision of all the worlds and all the great cities of the world and said, all of this I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He didn't say fall down and praise me. He wanted Jesus to worship him, because worship relates only to the divine. Satan knows that if he can get you to worship him or worship anything else, then he has you right where he wants you. Amen. Amen. So Satan doesn't care who you praise or what you praise. As long as you're not worshiping God, he's happy. Amen. And so we need to have a desire to worship God. Amen. Amen. John 4.23, we read it already. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, I want to be a true worshiper. Amen. Amen. The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. 
In the book of Revelation, John falls down to worship before an angel. We see this. And the angel tells him, no, 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 get up, get up, get up. Worship God. Because only God is worthy of our worship. Revelation 4 and 10, the 4 and 20 elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and they worshipped him that lives forever and ever. In Psalms, in the book of Psalms, we read over and over and over again. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. We will worship at his footstool. I will worship towards thy holy temple. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. All the earth shall worship. These are Psalms that David wrote and other psalmists wrote. Shall worship thee. He is the Lord and worship thou him. So it is fair to say that God is seeking for our worship. He requires our worship. It's fair to say that He is worthy of our worship and He's jealous of our worship. God wants the worship only for Him. He is the only one that we are to worship. He wants it all for Himself. And that's why over the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about what does it mean to worship. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm created to worship. Created to worship. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, my first point I want to give you. Now, normally I'd have handouts for these, but I just ran out of time. So I'm going to try and come up with some handouts for next week. But here's my first point for you. If you've got a pen, maybe you want to write it down. Maybe write it in your phone. Here's the first point. Worship flows from divine revelation. I'm going to say that again for you. Worship flows from divine revelation. We will only ever grow in our level of worship as we grow our perspective of God. It's a deep statement. Let me just run that past you again. We will only ever grow our level of worship as we grow our perspective of God. Because here's the thing. As pastor, I cannot lift the church any higher than your perspective of God. Amen? I just can't. And because of this, every single one of us Every single man, woman, boy, girl, we must learn to be students of God. Here's the thing. We can know the doctrine. We might know what the church teaches. We might know what the truth is, but we might not know how to worship. And we can know all of that and still not know how to worship. We can know what we stand for. We can know what we stand against, but still not know how to worship. We can have the right songs. We can have the right music. We can be part of the right church or be part of the right organization or anything like that, but still not know how to worship. And so we must learn about God because our worship cannot grow past our level of perception and our concept of God because worship is always a result of revelation. Worship is not a result of observation. It is not a result of facts, figures, or common truth. It's a revelation of who God 
really is. The creator of the universe, our savior, our redeemer, the mighty God, the everlasting father. It is only ever a result of divine revelation. And so before we can ever truly worship God in spirit and in truth, we must become students of God. We must seek more of Him in our life. It's not enough to just have a relationship with God that's just based on a Sunday. It's not enough, young people. It's not enough just to have a relationship with God because mom and dad bring you to church. Hello? It's not enough just to have a relationship because, you know, well, my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents were all in this church. It's not enough. It's not enough to just look right on the outside. We have to become students of God. We have to have more of Him in our life. And it's not enough just to have that on Sunday. Hello? We can't just have a relationship with God for Sundays. It just doesn't work like that. But if we want to truly worship God in spirit and in truth, there needs to be an ongoing relationship that happens there. Amen. Because until we have a divine revelation of who God is to us, not who He is to the church, not who He is to the pastor, not who He is to mom and dad, but until we have a divine revelation of who God is to us, Everyone go, me. We will never grow in our level of worship, and we will forever be limited until we learn. Amen? Amen. Excuse me. Our level of worship is determined by our grasp of God's greatness and not scriptural truth. Because worship has only to do with the nature and the person of God. It has nothing to do with the performances of God. Worship has nothing to do with what God does. It's got everything to do with who God is. Amen. Look at this. Israel, bless the Lord in the Old Testament. Israel, bless the Lord for what He did. But Moses worshipped God for who He was. One of them knew the works of God. The other one, Moses, he knew the ways of God. One knew the things that he did. The other one knew the reason why he did the things that he did. Moses had a divine revelation of the great I am, amen? And that's why he had no problems worshiping God. Let's use an example here. As I grab it. Put your hands up, quickly, if you know who P.L. Travers is. Put your hands up if you know who P.L. Travers is, who she was, what she did, what she's famous for. Therese, you know who P.L. Travers is? Nobody here knows who P.L. Travers is. Okay, let me try something else. Put your hands up if you know who Mary Poppins is. Okay, quite a few more people know Mary Poppins, but not as many people know P.L. Travers. You see, here's the thing. P.L. Travers was the author who wrote Mary Poppins. She was the one who created Mary Poppins. She was the one from whose imagination Mary Poppins came to life. Right? Mary Poppins. You see, we know the book. We've seen the movie, maybe. 
For some of us who are married to Mary Poppins fans, maybe we've seen the movie more times than one. We'll just leave it at that. Many people have heard the story. You might even know the lines. Some of you might even be able to sing the songs. I said a word to say, I said a word to you guys today. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. That's from Mary Poppins. Right? We might be able to, you know, sing Step in Time. We might know the songs. Amen. We might be able to quote lines, but it's incredible to see that nobody here knew who the author was. What's my point? Here's the thing. We can be the same with God. Hello? We know his book. We know the words that are in there. We know the songs. We can, we can sing the songs. We've memorized the song. Don't need the words anymore. I know the song. We know that we, we clap our hands. We know that we lift our hands. We can know all the right things about God and about the things that God does and the things that He has accomplished in our life. But do we really know God? Because that's where worship comes. Because worship only flows from divine revelation. Amen. So that's our first point. Worship only flows from divine revelation. Second point. Again, you might want to write this down. Praise is momentary. Worship is eternal. Or in other words, praise only lasts for a moment. Worship is eternal, lasts forever. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that praise is wrong. Praise is good. We ought to praise God. When God does something for us, when some miracle happens in our life, we ought to praise God because that's how we thank Him. We praise God. It's a good thing. But here's the thing. Praise is only focused on the here and now. It's focused on a moment in time, and, and praise will never get you the lasting victory that you want. It's momentary. It's based in time because praise has to do with things that are based in time. You'll see what I mean in a second. What's some things we might praise God for? God gave me a new job. Praise the Lord. God helped me beat my addiction. Praise the Lord. God, you know, I had this bill to pay and I couldn't pay it. And, and somehow God managed to sort something out for me. You know, I, I had this thing I needed. I was sick in my body and, and God healed me. Praise the Lord. Right? Every single one of those are based in time because they are based on things that God does. They're related to our life. They're not related to God. Amen. They, they, they are things to do with matter and time. And these are all things that change. God might heal you today and you might get sick again in six months. Right? You see what I mean? They're, they're, they're based in time, but, but worship transcends that. Or in other words, worship goes above and beyond that because worship deals with someone who does not change. You with me so far? Worship lifts us to a level that deals with God only. And God is on record in Scripture as saying, I am the Lord, I change not. Amen. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we are worshiping, <clears throat> excuse me, when we are worshiping, we are elevating our level 
to the divine. We are elevating our, th- our, our, our worship to God. And what that means is that it is never out of style. What that means is that it is never out of date. But most importantly, what it means is that we are dealing with something that is eternal and not something that is based in time. That's why worship is higher because it gets your mind off of things that are temporary. It gets your heart off of things that won't last forever. And it focuses you and and directs you and puts you in touch with God who is eternal, who is the same yesterday, today and forever. And here's the key. If you get this, this will will blow your mind. When we worship, we are lifted into an eternal perspective. Or in other words, we see things like God sees things. And so what that means is that all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if the answer that we're praying for comes or doesn't come. It doesn't matter if the answer is yes or the answer is no, because we're no longer focused on yes or no. We're just focused on God. That's why worship is so important, because it doesn't matter if God answers yes or God answers no, because worship is based on the nature of God, not on His actions. It's based on Him not what He does. Amen? That's why we worship. It doesn't matter what we do. He is still my defender. He is still my help. He is still my strength. He is still my tower. He is still the King of kings, and He is still the Lord of lords. And it is when we worship, we have an eternal perspective on life. This is why when you read through the book of Job, And you think, my Lord, look at all the stuff that's going wrong in that guy's life. Job is on his knees. His life is a mess. His kids have died. Everything is gone. And he gets on his knees. He lifts his hands. He says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Why? Because he has elevated to a level of worship where he is focused on God and on nothing else that's going on down here. Though he slay me, yet will I trust. Trust Him. Amen. This is why David could say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Because it doesn't matter what enemies come against me. It doesn't matter what circumstances come against me. It doesn't matter if things are going good or things are going bad. My mind, my heart, my strength, my soul is focused on God who does not change. This is why worship is so important. Amen. And when we know who God is, and when we begin to worship Him, this momentary life that we live, and and really when you compare our life to eternity, it's over in a flash. You know, the Bible, Bible calls it like a mist in the morning. It's just there and gone all of a sudden. Amen. And, and when we get our eyes off these things in life, we realize that as we focus on God, they begin to become really quite insignificant when we compare them to being in the presence of the eternal God. And maybe you're sitting here this morning going, man, alive, you don't know the problems I've got going on in my life. No, I don't. But what I do know is that if you can get yourself into a level of worship with God, all of those things will become insignificant in your life. Amen. I was talking with someone last week. We had a great service last week. Maybe it was the week before. I can't remember. But someone told me, she said, I just, 
I don't want to leave. I just want to stay here. Right? That's what happens when you get connected with God. When you begin to enter into that worship, you're just like, I just want to stay right here in God's presence. I don't want to move. Here's good. This is my happy place. Amen? This is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. Get this. He says, for our light affliction. Everyone say light affliction. Everyone say, eh, just small stuff. Eh, small stuff. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Not only is it just like, eh, small stuff. It's for a moment. Now, this dude's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been tossed out of cities. He's spent nights in prison. He's been whipped. Eh, it's just a light affliction. And it's only going to last for a moment. You know, I um, <laughs> this will make you laugh. I went to the gym for the first time in like three and a half years on Friday night. I didn't die. I nearly died. And I was, I was working out with a guy by the name of Jeff. You would know who he is. And, 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 uh, and Jeff was great. He was, come on, just push through. Just push through. You've got this. You can do this. And there was multiple times I was like, no, man, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to lie on the ground here and die quietly. Call my wife and family. Tell her to ring the life insurance people. No, I wasn't quite that bad. But he was like, come on, you can do this. Do another set. And I'd get to like seven out of a 10 set. He'd be like, come on, come on, one more, one more. You can do it. You see, and this is what happens when we get into worship. You know, we realize that that's just a light affliction. And, and, and when we bring that to God, God is there saying, come on, you can do this. You can make it through. You're going to be okay. This is good for you. I'm going to help you grow. I'm going to help you learn. And we get a perspective that even though that pain on Friday night was bad, I need to get healthy. And it's the same with God. Did you say that's right? We'll talk after church. <laughs> you're not meant to say amen on things like that, okay? You're meant to go, oh, pastor, no, you're very healthy. <laughs> so worship enables us to transcend the world around us, to lift us above, and it brings our focus into the eternal, into the only one that really matters, and that is God. Everyone say amen. amen. So our first point this morning was that worship flows from divine revelation. Our second point is that praise is momentary or lasts for a short time, but worship is eternal. And my last point that I want to give you this morning, I'm going to finish up on this in a few minutes, is this. And it's kind of a question. It's a question for you. Do you admit, admire, or adore God? Do you admit, admire, or adore God? To admit means to acknowledge or confess or to consider or to grant or to allow or leave room for or to acknowledge the possibility while not accepting the probability. There are plenty of people out there who admit there is a God. You talk to people in the streets. They'll tell you, oh, yeah, you know, I, I definitely think there's a God. Or they might say something like, oh, I definitely think there's some higher power. You know, I had one just the other day, uh, uh, someone who was involved in an accident, and I stopped to help, and, and it was miraculous how she survived. I mean, her car was on the side with the roof completely crushed in, and she's got a scratch, like a tiny little scratch on her knee. That's it. I'm sitting there thinking, man, my accident was nowhere near as bad as that. And I needed like five injections and 15 stitches. It's not fair. 
right? But she said, she said, man, someone upstairs must have been looking out for me, right? That's admitting God. She's not living for God. She doesn't really have any desire to live for God at the moment, but she's admitting there's a God, right? There must be. There's got to be something. I just don't know how that worked, right? They might admit the existence of a supreme being, but they won't accept the right of that supreme being to rule over their life. Right? No, no, I'm living my own life. I'm not going to live my life in surrender to some God or some being or someone who claims to be all-powerful. Right? That's what to admit means. To admire means to hold in high regard. To regard in wonder or delight. It means to like or to marvel at one's ability to perform or to accomplish certain feats. You know, I go to the basketball and I see JY leap up and slam down a, a one-handed dunk, and I just think, man, that's incredible. You know, I was, again, let me go with the gym story. I've learned something at the gym on Friday night. I can't skip. I used to be able to skip. When I was in grade two, I was really good at skipping. I did the skip jump rope for heart thing, and I, was, I can't skip. I was banging my head with the back of the rope. I was tripping over the skipping rope. I was a mess, Right? And I'm watching one of these young fellas that I'm working out with. And he's like, no problems at all. I'm like, man, I wish I could be like that. That's incredible. You know, he's floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. And I'm like, I can't skip, right? But I admire his ability to skip. I thought, wow, that's incredible, right? To marvel at one's ability. And there are people... Maybe there's people here today who admire God, but they've never adored God. And, and, and maybe you've, got, you, you've heard or you know someone who's got a marriage that's built on admiration, but it's void of adoration. You know, they admire one another, but they don't adore one another. Right? And it just gets dull. And, and in religious relationships, we admit that there is a God, and we admire some of the stuff we read about Him, but we've never managed to reach that high pinnacle of adoring Him. Now, what does adore mean? Adore means to love greatly, to honor highly, to idolize, wow, to worship as divine. And see, here's the thing. People don't just adore God. There's people out there who adore other things. You know, I've, I've been overseas to, to Thailand, and I've spent time, some time over there. And, and you go into some of the temples that are over there, and, and they're not worshiping God. They're worshiping a Buddha. But you see how they adore Him. They get on their hands and their knees, and they crawl over broken bits of stone to show that they're God, that, you know, they want to honor Him. So don't tell me people out there don't adore. People do adore. Amen. Amen. And so we need to learn how to adore God as well. Amen. So ask yourself today, do you admit, admire, or adore God? Do we admire God like we admire a sunset? Or we admire God like a nice view from a lookout? Do we admire God like a good song or like good talent? Do we admire God like we do people for their accomplishments or their successes. As a church, we must move from admiration of God to adoration of God. But here's the question, why? Why is this actually important? 
Here's why. When we admire something, it is, we do that because we are taking for granted that we are on the same level as that thing we are admiring. What do I mean by that? When we are admiring something, we are saying we have the right to pass judgment on that. We have the right to express our opinion. We maintain the right to do justice with our judgment of something or someone. And we all do this. You see someone on the side of the street and you don't admire them. You do the opposite. Hey, you lazy person. What are you doing? Get up and get a job. Or alternatively, man, look at that. You know, the guy who was skipping. You know, if I could get in the gym, if I practice, 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 I could do that too. I'm saying I'm on his level, right? I reserve the right to pass judgment either good or bad. I reserve the right to express my opinion. But when we adore, we abandon all such pretense because our thoughts lack self-worthiness when we realize our own insignificance when we compare it to the awe of His majesty. Amen. Because to adore God, you realize how far above us He is. Pure adoration has no heart. For the defense of self. It brings God's fullness and God's greatness into view. And then it contrasts our brokenness with His completeness. It contrasts our ignorance with His omniscience or His understanding and His knowledge of everything. It contrasts our feebleness with His power. And it contrasts our sinfulness with His holiness. Amen. And so to adore means to idolize. To love intently with no reserve. You're not holding anything back. You love with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might, all of your strength. Amen. And when you adore a God, when you adore God, you realize how far above us He is. To admire something is to think that there's a chance it could be on your level. But to adore is to acknowledge that He is so far above us. He does not need our approval, and He does not need our help. Amen? We can't heal the brokenhearted. I can't heal the sick. I can't heal the sick on my best day. I can't even heal a headache on my best day. Amen? We can't give God anything that He doesn't already have. But here's the beauty of it. God wants us to be close to Him. And we do that through worship. No, God doesn't need me, and God doesn't need you, but He wants me, and He wants you. Think about that. The creator of the universe wants you, wants a relationship with you, and that's why we ought to adore Him, and that's why we must learn to worship God, because He wants to be close to us, and it is through worship that we are enabled to get closer to God. Why don't we all stand this morning? First point was what? Someone tell me. What was the first point? Nope. Worship flows from divine revelation. What was the second point? Right. Praise is momentary. Worship is eternal. And our last point is a question that I want you to be reflecting on this week. Where are you? With God. Do you admit God exists? 
Do you admire God because of the cool stuff He does? Or do you actually adore God where you're just willing to lay your life down and say, God, I worship you. That's what it means to adore. That's my question for you this week that I want you to be thinking about. Do you admit, admire, or adore God? Precious Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this morning.